Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast, featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. Hello, everyone. I'm Sylvia, um, and I have the honor of getting to talk with you today. And I have to say, the couple of times I've done this before was when Jane was gone. And so I thought she was going to be gone. And between Jane and our guest, I feel like I am about to sing a Mariah Carey song with Mariah sitting (laughs) right there. (laughs) So the pressure is on. Um, I feel like about three years ago, I got dragged kicking and screaming into a doctoral program in the challenge of and power of forgiveness. And many of you know quite a bit about my story. Just the little bit that's important for today is at that point, I got into a position in life where I really was under attack by publicly, very publicly, by so many people. And uh, the meet, some media leaders were really at the forefront of it. And during that, I lost about 90% of the, of the friends and peers that I, I had. So the abandonment was extraordinary. And I, there are so many emotions that came out of that. But the hatred that I felt was unlike anything I had ever experienced before. I obsessed on it. I mean, I, I fantasized about the handful of leaders who put this thing in motion, being physically harmed. And, okay, I've never spoken up here when she hasn't thusly taken care of me. <laughs> um, and it, it, it really was an astonishing experience, and I realized that that kind of hatred was not healthy, but I, I could not let it go. And so the course of this whole healing process, I have learned some profound things about myself and some profound things about profound things, <laughs> including forgiveness, which obviously is um, the subject of today's talk. I was so broken at that point that all I could really do was lean into the spiritual side of things. and like, what the hell is the purpose behind this, et cetera, et cetera. Came back to unity, what a godsend, one of my many gifts wrapped in barbed wire. And at some point, at some point, I started working with A Course in Miracles. That is something that I believe I will work with and teach and be informed by for the rest of my life. I was having a very hard time with forgiveness, and I want to read you um, how Lesson 134 in Course in Miracles starts. Because at that point, I was really feeling like forgiveness was a sacrifice. The act of forgiveness was a sacrifice that I just could not make. And Lesson 134 says, (laughs) the start of it, Let us review the meaning of forgive, for it is apt to be distorted and to be perceived as something that equals an unfair sacrifice of righteous wrath a gift, unjustified and undeserved, and a complete denial of the truth. Yeah, that pretty much wraps up exactly where where I was. I, I felt like they were not worthy of it. When I dug a little deeper, I went somewhere else. I also very much was identified with having been victimized by bad people. And what would happen if I let go of that piece? I needed to blame them for the big mess in my life because it was a little too painful to look at the parts of of myself that put it in play. So at that point, I was identifying also with the lack of forgiveness. And one of the things I love about Course in Miracles is it says um, you just have to be willing. You don't have to work really hard to make these next 
steps in evolution. You just have to be willing, and Holy Spirit will kind of do the heavy lifting. There's a, there's a line that says, the strain of constant judgment is virtually intolerable. It's curious that an ability so debilitating would be so deeply cherished. <laughs> That's exactly where I was. At that point, I was starting from such a low bar that I could not honestly say, Spirit, um, I'm willing to forgive. I had to start at, I'm willing to become willing to forgive. (laughs) That's literally where I started with that. There was this little part of me, though, at that point was realizing forgiveness isn't the sacrifice. I was already sacrificing my peace and my power by being in that place of hatred. Many of you have probably heard the statement, hating someone or holding a grudge is like drinking rat poison, expecting the other person to die. I drank a lot of rat poison for a couple of years and have learned the hard way that that is so true. And what I've come to realize is forgiving someone is not saying what you did is okay. It's not... Uh, what was his name, the boy? It's not Vikran saying what you did to me was okay, but it is Vikran saying, I can see past that. I can see that there is a part of you that is divine. I can see that you have a spark of Christ in you, even though you don't know who you are. A really beautiful woman here in town, Judy Cameron, who's become a good friend and mentor of mine, she she made me aware of, you've heard the spirit, the biblical scripture Forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do. She's flipped that to forgive them, they know not who they are. So that's the one part of forgiveness. And the second part is, I'm going to take my own power back. I'm going to forgive you so that I am not continuing to victimize myself by being so attached to it. Now, I think, I think that no matter what is done to us, We have a responsibility for how we respond. And I don't want anyone to ever think that I am saying a victim asked for it. Truly terrible things are done to people who are completely innocent and undeserving. And yet, even in those circumstances, we have a responsibility in how we're going to react. I hope I don't get struck by lightning um, by holding this up. But this book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fa... Fill in the blank... The more accurate title would be The Subtle Art of Learning What's Important to Give a Fa About. I don't know this guy, but if I had to bet my house, I would bet that he has worked extensively with Course in Miracles and would fit right in with our way of thinking. And he has a couple of brilliant um, observations. He points out that terrible things that happen to us might not be our fault, but they are our responsibility. And then he flips. You've heard that statement, with great uh, power comes great responsibility. He flips it to get you to consider, what about with great responsibility comes great power? There's a tremendous personal empowerment that comes from choosing to forgive. And I think it's always a choice. There is this delightful fable about the, um, I think I'm getting this right, the Bengali tea merchant. So in this village, there's this guru, this man who's just revered. He's just very well respected and beloved. And he's getting ready to embark on this long walking cross-country trek kind of a quest. And he's going to take one companion. And everyone wants to come with him. They, they, they lobby. You know, they campaign to be his, his walking partner. And 
he gets to the point where the problem with all of this is that he likes them all. He, he likes everyone there. There's only one guy in the whole countryside that, he, that rubs him the wrong way, and that's the tea merchant. At the end of the day, he decides to take the tea merchant on this long one-on-one trek because he wants a little tension because that's his growing edge. My little brother very often sacredly serves as my Bengali tea merchant. <laughs> often. And I will give you a, a recent example. So I was at a very low point in all that was happening, and I was freaked out financially because this was such a, it blew up our careers and everything else in the process. And I asked him for a small loan, and he turned me down because he was not approving of how I was handling the situation. And man alive, if you want to trigger all your family stuff, you just ask a family member for help and get rejected. Huh. I mean, that just, I, I, I was back to obsessing. I was back to, you know, thinking all these thoughts. At the end of the day, when I really dug down in this, I wasn't actually angry at him for his rejection. I was angry at myself. I was angry at myself. I felt ashamed for being in position at almost 50 to need a loan. And I was angry at myself for not listening to that intuition that said, don't go to him. It's not a safe place. At the end of the day, forgiveness isn't even about them. It really is about our own quality and how we're going to react. My mom, when, we, when, when we look at unity teachings about the metaphysics, the quantum field, I think it's really, really powerful to consider, and it's very much in keeping with Course in Miracles, that time is not linear. Time is not necessarily what we've been trained to believe it is. My mother used to drive me flipping insane for her ability to rewrite history and change our time, our whole timeline even, of our family. She, she, it used to drive me crazy that she would tell these stories of these wonderful things that happened that I had a completely different take on. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, my mother is one of the happiest people I know. And I got to the point where I realized it wasn't denial. Mom remembers all that dark stuff that happens. She's just made a choice. I had this one experience young that really got me at least to be able to question if the grudge I'm holding, the way I remember things happening, were even true. I was with my family. I was probably nine or 10 years old. My mom and dad were in the front seat of a car. We were in a small Datsun B210. My little brother and I were in the back. So you could look basically like this aisle. You could look right through the driver's seat and see out the windshield. It was a super dark, really rainy night. We were out very um, isolated country roads. It was very dark. And for some reason, I looked up just in time to see something flying right at us. And my dad whips the car off the road. And the car that had been coming went by and smashed the car right behind us, wound up killing the girl in the uh, passenger seat. When we reported to the police who got there, we reported that we had seen the dark car coming at us. When all of it came down, that was completely opposite. It had been the white car coming at us that had smashed into the dark car. And as soon as they explained that, that's how we saw it. Every single one of us went there. So that's how fallible memory can be. We have a choice at times to even rewrite parts of our past. We definitely have a choice to forgive. And I would, ask, um, I would ask just to take a moment right now 
and envision what, what would it feel like if absolutely no part of you felt victimized? What would that look and feel like? How would your life change if we completely let go of our identity of being victimized? Kind of back to Jane's meditation, one of the other really profound pieces of learning that I'm in the process of with this whole forgiveness trip. Um, when I, I, was a, I was probably six or eight weeks into this whole trauma when my pain broke through the anger of it for the first time, and that's a story we don't have, have time to tell, but it was wildly emotional, and I, like, a, like a wild beast, I didn't quite know what to do with it. What surprised me and pissed me off is that the things that triggered weren't the stuff that the attacks that were happening right then. It was all the heavy, dark stuff that had happened with my family. Stuff that I have done therapy on since I've been in my early 20s. I mean, I literally had this moment of, you've got to be kidding me. You've been dead 30 years, and you are still this much in control of my life. And absolutely resentfully, I went back into therapy. I didn't know what else to do. I wind up going to a therapist, thank God for this, that, d- that does EMDR work. I don't know how many of you know, but eye movement deprogramming, resensitization, it's a way of, it's kind of PTSD work. It's a way to help us get through memories that we have not been able to process. What shocked me is when we got into the heavy lifting of that, when we got into the memories that were really, really hurting me, it was nothing that, I, that had been done to me. The ones that really hurt me, that broke me down in the therapist's office, were memories of things that I had done. There were a half a dozen times when I was going through the tremendous abuse that was happening in our family. Anyone who knows me know that I am the animal whisperer. I love all animals. I empathize with them. It's my thing. There were a half a dozen times when this was going on where I beat the snot out of my animals totally out of control violently. And it makes me misty even right now to remember it. Those were memories that throughout my adult life, when I would be in stressful moments, those memories would come up and I literally would flinch. I would physically flinch and shut the door on them. They carried some of my greatest sense of shame were those memories. And I was able to gain a level of healing from those and begin to have compassion for that younger me that was going through that because that was being done to her in a way I had never experienced before. I truly believe the most powerful aspect of forgiveness is learning self-forgiveness. And the two, forgiving ourselves, Elaine, (laughs) forgiving ourselves and forgiving others are inextricably linked. The ability to actually see a fellow human being who's made a mistake, even harms you, as worthy of a second chance, as worthy of opening your heart to, when we can do that for others, we can begin to believe that we're worthy of that too. So those two, I believe, are inextricably connected. And I'm going to read a piece from Course in Miracles, Lesson 62. Forgiveness is the demonstration that you are the light of the world. Through your forgiveness does the truth about yourself return to your memory. Therefore, in your forgiveness lies your salvation. 
Illusions about the se- yourself and the world are one. That is why all forgiveness is a gift to yourself. Your goal is to find out who you are, having denied your identity by attacking creation and its creator. Now you are learning how to remember the truth, for this attack must be replaced by forgiveness so that thoughts of life may replace thoughts of death. Remember that in every attack you call your own weakness, excuse me, remember that in every attack you call upon your own weakness, while each time you forgive, you call upon the strength of Christ in you. And the final point that I will make, I've so far talked so much about forgiveness as being about individual people and how our relationships are going to be and even how our relation is with ourselves. but I don't think it's any news to anyone in this room. Forgiveness is also fundamental to creating the more loving, healthful, peaceful world that we all long to see. Um... It's a metaphysical force in and of itself. How many of you in the room are doing the Shadows to Light program that we're, that we're doing right now? It's incredibly powerful, and really at the core of it, it is about finding a place of forgiveness around the other, and even around this world that we view as so shadow-laden right now. And through doing that, we're able to begin to release those shadows. There's a beautiful term, and I forgot to look up who is responsible for it, so maybe someone in the room knows, called inner disarmament. And it's the concept that the only way we're going to get to disarmament in the world, in this war-stricken world, is by achieving peace, achieving disarmament in and of ourselves. When we are holding grudges, we're holding weapons. It's an inner disarmament piece. And weak is, or forgiveness is not for the weak, I would say, either. It's a major, it's a major, major uh, sign of strength. I think if we're going to take our forgiveness as shining lights into the world, the intention that we carry as we go into a forgiving action is really significant. And I'll tell two quick stories that make this point. About a year or so into all of the craziness that had happened in my life, my work was picking up again a little bit, and I got this client. And my radar, you know, warning flags were saying, this is going to be a problem client. But I was desperate at that point, not only desperate to make a little money, but desperate for the sense of having some value, having some worth. Someone wanted me again in a professional capacity. Long and the short of it was, this client turned out to be a nightmare. And it's the first time in my life that I got stiffed by a client ever. They didn't pay me for work I had done. And golly, I mean, it just hit me on so many levels. Meanwhile, though, I'm sitting in the zen of Course in Miracles and unity and all of this and, and realizing that hitting this guy back is what I would like to have done, but I knew it wasn't what I should do. So thinking that I'm in this, so and an attorney tells me you could take him to small claims court and this and that, and, you know, uh, Sitting in this place of thinking that I was in this elevated place of forgiveness, I wrote them this email. Greetings, blank and blank. I wanted to let you know that I will not be taking legal action for the money you owe me. 
as I have thought about that, it's just not the kind of situation I want to spend my time on, not the kind of energy I want to be around or put into the world. I forgive you for your human weakness. I know at the core, this is so embarrassing, it gets worse. I know at your core you are good people and would like to be more honorable. It would, I would very much appreciate it if you would pay me. It's now up to you to, to decide who and how you want to be. Please remove my name from blah, 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 blah. This was an act of forgiveness as a weapon. Absolutely. And the response I got from them was indignant, rightfully so. To this day, the issue is not resolved and that relationship is not mended. This was, this was forgiveness as attack. And it was still coming from a place of ego. In contrast, around that same time, I got contacted by a woman who had been a very good friend of mine. And when all of this blew up and the people fled, there were a handful of people who fled that I just didn't expect. And it really, really hurt. This woman was one of them. We had been like sisters. We had been camping and hiking together. We worked in the same field. We were colleagues. We called each other sister. And she just disappeared. She reached out. And at first I said no. And then I thought about it, and then I came back around and said yes. And we were to meet at the Wild Rose Thai restaurant here in Bend. I get there right on time. She's not there. A few minutes go by, she's not there. And I'm thinking, oh my God, maybe she's going to stand me up just to rub salt into the wound. And then I think, oh my God, I could take off and stand her up and get back at her. And I'm like, "That's, that's not who she is. That's not who I am. And she shows up. We go in wildly uncomfortable. We talk about everything except the ginormous elephant sitting on the table. And eventually she brings it up and she apologizes. And at this point, I have walls like Fort Knox up, you know? But there's this thing that happened as she's speaking and she's so nervous and she's got tears in her eyes. And oh, shoot, I'm going to get tearful here again. I saw her. I saw her. And I saw her as a sister And I saw her as that person that I loved. And she finished. And I said, you know, first of all, I can't believe the courage that it took for you to be here and to say that. And I can't honestly tell you that at that time, in the situation that you were in, we were working very closely together. You were involved in work that was being attacked in the media. You were in that political environment, and I have no doubt that you were getting advice that said, stay away from her. I cannot tell you in that time that I wouldn't have done the same thing. I can tell you the person standing here now wouldn't. And it was one of the most transcendent healing moments in my life with another human being. It was healing for both of us. That's the intentional and qualitative difference between attack that says, or forgiveness that says, I'm forgiving you because I'm better than you, (laughs) and forgiveness that is real and genuine forgiveness, and that's the one that will heal our world. Course in Miracles has two other quick concepts that I'll leave you with and wrap this up. One of them is the notion of the battlefield and getting above the battlefield. And one of the things that 
I've come to realize, I'm coming to realize, I'm a work in progress with, we create a lot of illusionary battlefields. And it really, in relationship, in how we interact, in ourself, we create battlefields with our memories from the past. We have the absolute ability to just step out of the battlefield, and it will dissolve. The other beautiful concept is the sense of defenselessness. That really stuck in my craw when I started reading that in this wild Course in Miracles thing at that point because I was desperate to defend myself against what was being said about me, and I had no power to do that. I couldn't do it because of the situation that was happening. I was so angry. I had been raised, when you hit, you hit, when you get hit, you hit back. That's where I had come from, and I so wanted to hit back, and I couldn't. And I got the beautiful gift wrapped in barbed wire of being forced to sit in defenselessness, knowing that the things being said about me weren't true. And at some point, I began to realize I didn't even need to defend against them because I knew they weren't true, and the people who knew me knew that they weren't true. There is such incredible power in getting to the place where we can be truly defenseless because we know who we are. Forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do. Forgive them, Spirit, they know not who they are. Forgive then, Sylvia, Kevin, my friend Victor. Forgive so that we can remember who we are. Thank you.